Alabama pounded the dogs last night. And believe it or not, there's some things to be excited about. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. At least I believe it is. I want to make double sure of that before I officially tell you it is. I may be using an old ad calendar, so uh, we're going to sit here for a second while I figure this out because, you know, preparation is overrated. This episode is actually brought to you by FanDuel. Psych! Uh, so you can deal with that. FanDuel, you know you love some FanDuel. Hey, look, there's an NFL game going on right now. And if you want to play some on FanDuel, go check it out. I'll tell you more about it in just a bit. But, Jimmy. FanDuel. So FanDuel. Fan, yeah, FanDuality. Um, I had some FanDuality last night. Uh, I went from, <laughs> like, being very happy at times to uh, still very confused. Alabama beats Mississippi State 40-17. to 17. Really, I, I mean, I dare to even hesitate to say that it, it was never in doubt because it felt – like a more difficult game than a 40 to 17 game. Um, and I think part of that is because those cowbells, those damn cowbells, <sighs> they do get to you. I mean, you, even as a fan watching on TV, you're sort of like, man, would y'all quit doing that for just a second? Can you give them a break for a second? Um, but, you know, 40 to 17 over Mississippi State, keep the streak alive, 16 straight against the Bulldogs. And while that's not going to impress a ton of people, there are not a lot of teams that have a 16-game winning streak over anybody. So we should enjoy that. Um, Jalen Milrow, you and I mentioned it last night on the live show where we had Nick Saban's press conference. Jalen Milrow is getting better. Now, is he getting better at the rate everybody wants him to get better? No. I, I, I think that's clear. I think it's also uh, very fair to say he is definitely getting better. He only threw 12 passes last night, um, but he completed 10 of them. So – and then uh, we didn't even throw a pass in the first quarter. But, of course, we tried to throw passes. We just had sacks. So, I mean, it's boy, everything you say, either negative or positive, had a counterbalance to it is the one thing about this game. This is – I love beating up on anybody 40 to 17. At right. the same time, I expected maybe a little more from this game. Um, I expected a little more improvement all the way around. I was glad to see Chris Braswell score. Um, I thought the the pass rush was pretty good. At the same time, we lost containment a few times. And just from what I've seen about other SEC quarterbacks we're going to be facing in the future, like a Max Johnson, like a Peyton Thorne, or if Auburn does play Robbie Ashford, that that could be a problem for us because those guys uh, can, can make some moves with their feet, all, all three of them. And uh, I hadn't even thought about K.J. Jefferson, who can as well, or, or Jalen Daniels, who right. definitely can. So um, – Anyway, Jimmy, overall, I think we should be very happy with this. It's a, it's a notch in the belt. It's a big win over a team that's right up the road from you in a hostile environment on, in the SEC. Let's, let us not forget, Georgia had all they could want from an Auburn team that uh, still can't pass over 100 yards against a Power 5 opponent. So I, I'm, I'm happy. I am really am, I swear. At the same time, I, still, I understand everybody's concern at this point. Yeah, it was a it was a good win. I think the win itself was almost better than the performance because anytime you go on the road uh, in this league and win, it's big. 
Uh, that was proven, as you pointed out yesterday, about how hard it is to win on the road. Georgia struggling with Auburn, LSU losing at at Ole Miss, uh, you know, Florida getting just walloped at Kentucky, uh, South Carolina, uh, you know, loses uh, more more worse than I believe they thought they would at Tennessee. Uh, so yeah, just just getting a road win is tough. Uh, we we pointed it out all week about the last ten road performances. Nine of the ten had been some variation of bad. You know, nine out of ten, and then you go on the road, you win. You know, 40-17, 41-17. So that that's a uh, that, that that's definitely good. I mean, that that's the best part of last night. Um, you know, concerning parts for me, Luke, were. We didn't run the ball as well as I hoped we would run. It wasn't terrible. They rushed for, I think, uh, a little over 150 yards, maybe 160. Uh, That's not terrible, but it's not good enough, you know, against a Mississippi State. So I I wasn't thrilled with, uh, with the way we ran the ball on offense. It just wasn't good enough. And defensively, I think this was kind of the biggest surprise to me, far from terrible, but we didn't stop the run well enough. Uh, they had about 150 yards on the ground. Uh, they had more explosives on the ground than Alabama did. Uh, the longest run of the game from a running back was, was you know, Marks. Uh, Mike Wright had the 19-yard touchdown run for, for Mississippi State, the, the number two kind of a Wildcat quarterback. Uh, we didn't stop the run Again, not bad. It was nothing was bad. It just wasn't as good as you would like it to be. But overall, offensively, what sticks out to me the most was those twelve pass attempts. That seems so few. And when people go, "Gosh, what, what, why were you just not throwing the ball?" Alabama only ran fifty-six offensive plays in the entire game. Those clock rules are really constricting the number of plays. It used to be just a slam dunk loop that Alabama was going to run a minimum of 70 offensive plays in a game. Last night it was just 56. So that's not a lot of uh, wealth to spread around to the backs and to the receivers and to the tight ends and get a lot of pass attempts and a lot of runs. Just 56 plays overall. Still, that's 30 minutes of possession time under the new clock rules. And uh, and as you pointed out, uh, Jalen Milrow, Took another step forward, no turnovers, probably his cleanest game. I thought he did his best job of going to a second receiver, going to a third receiver. Uh, I think the post-snap decision-making is getting better. Uh, the pre-snap decision-making, I think, is what they need to uh, work on. That's why Alabama has so many negative plays. They get overwhelmed by the blitz sometimes because they haven't pre-snapped adjusted the protection. Yeah, one other thing I really liked out of Milrow were there some there were some times that he stayed in the pocket longer, and again I'm I'm good with that. I I I want him to be him, so maybe I want him to run a. It felt like he stayed in there too long, like he was still forcing Two times. his staying in the pocket longer. When hey man, if you can go get seven sure yards and maybe bust one, go do it. I'd rather you do that than try and make a pass for ten and hang out too long and potentially get sacked. I mean, that that three-yard gap in there, I'm, I'm fine sa- sacrificing that. Um, also, I'm fine sacrificing it because you're not super accurate. I mean, I don't mean that mean. I'm just saying that it's not a sure thing if you stay in the pocket longer and you do have a guy open 10 yards down the field that you're going to hit him between the numbers. That's not a sure thing. Um, one other thing I was happy that he did, there were a couple of times he was running and um, he started – 
while he was running, he kept his eyes downfield. And a couple of times, especially one to Amari Knobloch, beautiful pass, a little bit high for Knobloch, but he goes up and gets it. It's a tough pass. It was across his body. And um, that's a good play. That's a really good play. I'm down with that. Um, At the same time, I couldn't help but do this. And it's funny, last night when we were doing the live broadcast with Nick Saban's press conference, one guy was like, man, it feels like, you know, y'all are sort of overanalyzing a lot of this. But that's, I think, Jimmy, I think that's what we do as show. Yeah. By the way, if if we're up (laughs) at midnight doing a press conference, you can bet your bottom dollar we're going to be overanalyzing. Nobody gets up at, nobody's at midnight doing the press conference, having comments on the press conference and like, man, that was just awesome. Wasn't that awesome? No, we're going to be analytical about it. So, um, and when you analyze, you got to take in the negative. But what I'm saying is I couldn't help but think last night, okay, this is against Mississippi State where there were, they had at least three sacks. I'll look it up in a second. I think they only had three. But, um, and two of them came early. So, I mean, kudos to the offensive line. But I couldn't help but think, uh, Texas A&M's dudes are better dudes. And so Jalen Milrow is going to have about somewhere around a second less time to do what he's doing tonight. Somewhere right. around. And the noise factor is going to be about the same because I've been at Texas A&M. It's loud. And they don't have the cowbells, but they're loud. And it's more people. So I, I'm, that worried me a little bit that, um, it, it's still not going on, but I'm willing to also listen to the folks that say, okay, if you say he's improving slightly, maybe he improves slightly from Mississippi State to Texas A&M. Yeah. That makes up for that second. Jimmy, when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on the who you thought was the player of the game from this contest, but right now I need to tell everybody about athletic brewing. Now, the, actually, we're going to talk about the game changer right now. I forget that every time with athletic brewing. I shouldn't do it. Uh, now time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company, much like, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say Will Reichert. I thought Will I like Reichert, it. I, I like I, it. It's not sexy to name the, the kickoff guy, the, the kicker, the, all that, the, the, um, player of the game, but I will name Will Reichert, much like Will Reichert. Athletic brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make a non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes good. They make several varieties of non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good and these things are awesome they sent us some and they're just refreshing i mean they really are i never thought of a beer as being uh, a non-alcoholic beer as being refreshing but they are like a, a very refreshing drink i really really enjoy it athletic brewing company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good i'm just telling you their brews are great tasting and award-winning and they beat out full strength beers in global competitions they brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers including IPAs, golden sours, and more. And they're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to their variety all the time. No hangovers ever. Uh, they're fit for all times. You can drink them anytime you want to. Watching a game, at your kid's game, tackling work or working out, whatever you want. Uh, it's a great time for athletic brewing non-alcoholic beers. First time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first order. That's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. So I've kind of, I had to give away my secret of the player of the game. And again, it's not super sexy. It's Will Reichert, but he just keeps creeping up those lists for like all time leading score of everything. And uh, he's, he's just money. He's hit 22, 23 kicks in a row now. I mean, we are so taking that man for granted. 
Um, right. So anyway, I just love me some Will Reichert. And then, of course, his uh, his kicking mate, John Talty, made probably the the uh, tackle. Connor Talty. Connor Talty. I said John Not the writer. writer. Yeah. <laughs> John Talty's like, I, I, did I deck somebody last night? No, Connor <laughs> Um, Connor Talty and uh, he uh, he made a big hit last night. And that was that was fun to see that everybody was so excited for. Him. But who was your player of the game? No, I like your pick of Will Reichard uh, as player of the game, just because he deserves more accolades than he gets. I, I believe now he's made twenty three successful field goals in a row, which is just a a crazy number. Um, and he needs to be getting more attention. So I really like that selection. It's probably better than, uh, than 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 what I'll go with. I'll go with uh, offensively, Jalen Milrow, uh, 10 of 12. I mean, no turnovers on the road in a noisy cowbell environment, uh, 10 of 12. Uh, you know, ran the ball well. I think, again, the decision-making is far from perfect, but is getting better. And statistically on offense, no one had a great night other than Jalen, I think the 10 of 12 stands out in particular because I think at one point he was 10 of 10. I think he missed his last two. So so uh, 10 straight pass completions. And actually dating back to the last game, Luke, at one point, Jalen Milrow had completed 15 passes in a row. Well, uh, That's good for anybody. That's good for anybody in this league. So uh, Jalen Milrow is my offensive player of the game. Uh, he, he's responsible for those for those points because 40, 40 looks pretty good on the school board and Jalen's responsible for a lot of it. Defensively, Hey, here, here's weird because I think the kid played uh, uh, great uh, and, and he's just getting better. And that's Jihad Campbell, who's just turning into an every down presence uh, with Deontay Lawson out. Jihad Campbell had to play practically the whole game at will uh, because uh, Trez and Kendra Blackshire kind of trade out a little bit at Mike. But uh, Jihad Campbell, uh, I think, is turning into an every down presence and was our best player on defense. I think he made 13 tackles last night which is probably a season high for any Alabama defender. Uh, Jihad Campbell, uh, he, he is he's not just going to be a good player at this level, Luke. He, he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, Jihad Campbell, uh, a good choice. Uh, boy, who would have had – okay, Alabama's going to get three interceptions. Oh, wow. Okay, Terry Arnold almost had a great game in Kool-Aid too. But you have Chris Braswell, Jihad Campbell, and Caleb Downs getting the picks. I don't think a lot of people right. would pick that combination. Um, that would have been a uh, – what do you call it? A trifecta at the Greyhound <laughs> yeah. race that would have made, could have, could have made some money there. Would have made some serious money. Um, I was trying to look up here. Let me tell you an interesting stat. I, I just read this somewhere else. The the pass. Okay, we talked about how Will Rogers hadn't thrown a touchdown pass against Alabama. He's been there four years. That's very strange for a guy who owns so many records for Mississippi State. That is that is very strange and, and a testament to Alabama that uh, he has not completed a touchdown pass against Alabama until last night in the third quarter, and it was sort of a rinky-dink pass. It wasn't like this thing of beauty. It was the first pass for a touchdown by Mississippi State against Alabama since 2014 in Dak Prescott. Wow. That is nuts. We really defended Nick Saban's plan for defending the Mike Leach offense was obviously outstanding. Nick Nick really had had his number. And and that's why that's why it's not Will Rogers. I, I think it's defending the Mike Leach offense. Nick Saban and, and Pete Golding did a, a fantastic job of that those those four years. And uh, Will was sort of the victim of, of of that. Now last night, what Mike Leach last night was 
the the transition from Mike Leach to something else. And I don't think Will Rogers has been a great fit in that. And I just sort of feel bad for the kid that every time he hears Alabama for the rest of his life, he's going to, you know, probably, you know, suck his thumb and go into the fetal position because four, four performances against Alabama in his career, they were all pretty bad. Uh, but he's a good player and has a lot to be proud of in his career. Uh, but gosh, uh, Alabama's just not going to be his favorite team as he grows into adulthood. Yeah, he's not going to be able to throw shade on Twitter or anything for fear that Alabama's no. going to intercept it. Um, <laughs> but I, I just thought that was – that's sort of one of those bizarre stats. And I'll tell you, uh, Nick Saban did I, – I, it's almost like to me, Nick Saban – here's the thing. You know, when they have the – when you have this new offense that, that maybe Nick Saban hadn't figured out, it can work. You know, everybody talked about – Colin Cowhart very famously said, Gus Malzahn's going to run Nick Saban out of – the SEC. Well, Nick Saban eventually pretty much figured out a lot of it. Now, did they still lose some games later on? But yeah, I would argue a lot of that was uh, probably due to either a, a bad choice at quarterback for the time. Um, you know, even the the game that Jalen Hurts lost, I mean, they lost by 12 points or something. But uh, I think if Tua plays, I think things may have been a little different. Nick Saban, in the end, Nick Saban usually catches up the offense. And I think by the time Mike, Mike Leach got to the SEC, Nick Saban had figured out this off that def- had figured out that offense for his defense. So it was a bad time for Mike Leach to come into uh, the SEC. As I said, he was, he was in the SEC 10 years too late. By the time he came in with his air raid offense, everybody had seen the air raid, but with better athletes. So it was a little bit easier to deal with. Um, okay. So need to, we're going to talk about the rest of the SEC when we come back, because look, we're going to talk about Alabama Mississippi State for a couple more days, but let's also call a spade a spade. This game was relatively nondescript, right? This was not um, – yes, we all agree we moved forward. We got better and we got a big win. But there's still a lot to work on. But it, this game was very uneventful in the second half. I mean, very uneventful to me. Uh, I thought the best play was Connor Talty's tackle, to be honest with you, in the second half. So uh, even when Caleb Downs had the interception, I was so happy for him. Like, he got his hands on it. I was like, yeah, Caleb Downs. I've been screaming for Caleb Downs, you know, to have that play. And I was so happy for him. And then even on his return, if you watch it from the backside, he made the wrong cut. He cuts and he goes out of bounds. If he cuts to the right, I think he might score. And I'm that's, that's the kind of thing that's driving me crazy about this year. We're like one little – one little decision away from being great. Um, But anyway, I do want to tell everybody now about FanDuel. I talked about it just a bit ago. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place $5 bet. Look, $200 in bonus bets when you place a $5 bet, that's that's like 6,000% increase, I think. I'm not good at math. Uh, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit around the SEC now because we're getting to the point. I mean, next time we play, we're all going to be in October. So we're getting to the point where the SEC should be taking a little bit more shape, um, but it's not. It's as cloudy as it's ever been in October, if you ask me. Um, obviously, I'm sorry, I'm still dealing with the satisfaction, y'all. So I know some of this, some of these uh, 
facial functions I'm doing uh-huh. may disgust you. I understand. Um, Auburn and Georgia. Look, I think it's very fair to say Auburn is kind of what we thought they were. I think they made a good, uh, good adjustment to allow Peyton Thorne to run it a little bit more. Obviously, Georgia was not expecting that in the least because Peyton Thorne had some wide open running lanes. He was Auburn's best runner on the day by far. They ran for over 200 yards against a, a Georgia defense. It's not known for giving up 200 yards. Uh, but Auburn still got a passing problem. They cannot pass the ball. They just can't do it. They The last six power five opponents, they haven't broken 100 yards. That's, that's, not, that's not concerning. That is atrocious. I mean, everybody else has been able to do that. I'd be willing to bet. <clears throat> so, um, but I, I think what I took away from that is that Georgia has come back to the pack a little bit too, like everybody else. They still got dudes. They still got dudes everywhere. But one thing I noticed last night or yesterday watching the game leading into the Bama game, they don't have as many dudes that are separating themselves. They don't have Jalen Carters this year. They got they got good players. Everybody would take their roster just about, but they don't have as many good dudes as they've been having. So I think Georgia is very gettable. Um, I'm not saying Kentucky's going to beat them. I'm not saying Missouri's going to beat them because they play both those teams in Athens. But somebody's going to get Georgia. You, can, I think you can bank on that. They're not going undefeated. Uh, I doubt they go undefeated through through the playoff for sure. I'm not convinced they'll lose an SEC game. But, uh, I, you know, what stood out to me about Georgia-Auburn is that Carson Beck in his first SEC road game played like most SEC quarterbacks play in their first SEC road game. Uh, they're not getting great play out of the quarterback position. Uh, again, it's due to inexperience. Carson Beck's a good player. Uh, I think he could be really good next year. But for now, he's inexperienced. And, uh, and that showed up. Uh, again, we talk about it all the time. I think people get so Alabama-centric, they forget all these rules that apply to everybody else. And that's just playing on the road in the SEC is tough. Auburn is extremely one-dimensional. And by one-dimensional, I mean they're pretty good on defense and they're, they're, they're horrible on offense. They're outright horrible, and they still had Georgia to some extent on the ropes. Uh, because Georgia just could not separate because Georgia wasn't explosive offensively uh, with with Carson Beck struggling in in that first SEC road game. Uh, I I won't be surprised at all, Luke, if Georgia loses at Knoxville uh, later this year. I I even called that the summer. Uh, But after watching Georgia play on the road yesterday, I'm even more convinced that that's going to be the case. I think they'll beat Kentucky this week, but I won't be surprised if it's kind of close because – this Georgia team's not as good as the last couple. I, I think they're good enough to make the playoff, but uh, they, they're not as good as the last two Georgia teams. They've kind of sunk back down. Uh, a lot of the middle of the league, Luke, to me, the middle has risen. Uh, the top has sunk, and that's why there's all these uh, really competitive, fun games on the weekend. Ole Miss and LSU was a ton of fun to watch. It was not very fun when the Alabama game was about to kick off, and I was at a party, and it, and the whole – the crux of the party was uh, the the baby shower, and that's great. But uh, they also had everything set up for the Alabama game, a bunch of Alabama fans. So they, they had everything set up. And what happens? Well, the LSU uh, Ole Miss decided to last seven and a half hours. And so they had everything set up, but they also have YouTube TV. So it wasn't super easy to just switch over to ESPN News, at least not for this bunch of older people that we had, we finally were able to get it. But for the most part, a lot of people were watching the game on my phone, which I, luckily I had the ESPN app and I was able to get it on my phone. So I had some people crowded around me. Regardless, LSU, Ole Miss, um, Lane Kiffin needed that one, if you ask me. He needed oh, that yeah. one. 
definitely. And um, that's going to serve him well going forward, I think. I'm How we held them to 10 points, even in Tuscaloosa, is still baffling and a testament to our defense. Um, that sort of thro- muddies up the SEC waters, at least on the west side. Then there's A&M Arkansas. I really swear, Jimmy, I thought Arkansas was going to beat him this year. Now, I mean, it's stupid because I, it's really the generals are due to beat the Globetrotters theory. Uh. Um, but the, Arkansas just they, – they look like they're they're about done. They look like a, a very tired plow horse out there. Like, I can't do one more row, Sam Pittman. I just can't do it. I, I'm about to just yeah. lay down. And um, so I wouldn't shock me if Arkansas – loses this week and then uh, against Ole Miss, and then they they come limping into Tuscaloosa because they, they just lost Luke Haas last night. No telling for how long. It looked like his shoulder was banged up. I hope it's not his collarbone. That would be a problem. But A&M impressed me. They got dudes. They got dudes, Jimmy, and we're going to play them this week. We'll talk about it all week, so no reason to go into it. But uh, A&M did impress me. Matt Johnson may be better than Connor I don't think he's better. I just think he's really good. It shows to me how good Connor Wigman is, who's leading the SEC in QBR when he went out. And then they, they replaced Max Johnson, who looked who looked really good against Auburn and, and, and pretty good for the most part. He can be a little turnover prone. Uh, that's going to give Alabama a shot, uh, you know, next Saturday. But Max Johnson, I have to remember this, I think he made his 18th SEC start yesterday. So it's not Alabama's the one going into College Station with the inexperienced quarterback who's who's making his fit. I, I think it'll be no uh, Jalen Milrose's sixth career start next week. Max Johnson has 18, so uh, you know he is an experienced, older kid. Uh, A&M is uh, I, I thought very impressive against Arkansas. They just didn't allow the game to get too tight. Uh, they were just much better than Arkansas. Uh, I think their defensive line is uh, among the best in the country, one playmaker after another, whether you're talking about Walter Nolan, who was unbelievable, Shamar Turner, who's very good every week, McKinley Jackson, you can name them all because they're all five-star guys. Uh, A&M has dudes. They they have the most dudes in this league that are not Georgia and not Alabama, in my opinion, the most dudes. Uh, But what they have, it's kind of a separator between Alabama, I think, is they have almost as many dudes as Alabama, but an experienced quarterback who's going to who's going to keep it all together and uh, keep the keep the the, the the car between the lines on the highway so I, I suspect uh, it's going to be an extremely difficult game for Alabama next Saturday uh, and, and for as much as uh, I'll be a kind of a little negative this week about Alabama's chances uh, I want to say emphatically if this was locked on Bulldogs and it's Georgia going to Texas and I'd be saying the same thing I'd be saying we don't have a quarterback that's got their guys experience and we're going into their place, I, I don't think Georgia would win at College Station next Saturday either. So it's not, oh, Alabama's got problems. I'd say Alabama's got a problem if you expect Alabama to be the best team in the country by far. That's your expectation. Well, then Alabama's got problems. But I don't think Alabama has problems compared to a typical 2023 college football team. Uh, and and I, I don't know that anyone will be going into College Station and winning next week from the SEC. You know, at the risk of being a homer, I'll say, man, what a golden opportunity for Jalen Milrow to yes. absolutely break out. If I were a, like the, the eternal optimist, Bammer Homer, I would say, what a golden opportunity. And that's true. At the risk yes. of being labeled a realist, I'll say, haven't, while you keep bringing up the inexperience, and that's, that's very true. You're very right. 
he started enough now where I would like to see a little more. And that's what scares me is the little more we're not going to get. And here's the other thing. One, one more thing we need to throw out there. We're going to talk about this all week. Cause I'm the justice Haynes and the little few carries he got last night impressed me so much that I'm, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that he's not playing. He may be the, the most breakaway threat we have. So I want to see him more now. Jimmy, having said all that, just really quickly, and because no sense in getting into it, but like, how would your what do you predict happens to the SEC the rest of the way out? Who ends up in Atlanta? Do you think right now? Uh, right now, as we speak, this exact moment, I'm going to say Georgia and Texas A&M. Uh, as we speak right now, obviously, my mind could change dramatically in the next six days. Uh, it's going to be big, and 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 one point I want to talk about Jalen. Uh, hey, it, it's it's pro- it's too much to put on his plate. It's too much to ask. But when you talk about the opportunity that Milrow has, this is how big I think the opportunity is next Saturday. With a big win and a huge performance from Jalen, he basically wins the starting job in 2024. I mean, that's how big it is. I mean, in, in terms of what the expectation will be, the level of difficulty, uh, because really, it, it, you know, we don't, we don't do a lot of gymnast analogies on, on our show. <laughs> But uh, I think, you know, before a, a gymnast does some some apparatus thing, all the judges are informed what she's going to do. And there's a, a degree of difficulty that's awarded. This is what's on Jalen next week. It's a degree of difficulty going on the road against the best defensive line in this league. Better than Georgia's, better than LSU's, better than Alabama's. This is the best defensive line in the SEC. And our offensive line has struggled. And Milrow's got to go up against that in a hostile environment. The degree of difficulty is off the charts. And there's a lot on him. And uh, and let's see how he handles it. And I think that's a great point. It just dawned on me. All right, let's say Milrow goes in there. And let's say let's say he has a mediocre game, but Alabama wins. What that means is Milrow has now gone into Mississippi State with the Cowbells. I know they're not great. But Mississippi State with the Cowbells, a very daunting place to play. Gone to Texas A&M, which is a very daunting place to play. And let's say, you know, we – going ahead and beat Kentucky and beat Auburn to Kentucky's going to be hell this year. It's going to be a tough place to play no, this no. year. They were, they were rough on Florida. We didn't even talk about them. They were rough on Florida yesterday. Um, and then of course, Auburn, we all know is built on an Indian burial ground and the superstructure is made from crushed leprechaun bones. We know this. So if he were to go four and zero in that gauntlet, what better way to be prepped for next year's three game road or four game road stretch, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Tennessee and LSU. He will have already faced as tough of an environment as he could possibly face. Um, because what no matter what Auburn's record is going to be, that place is going to be nuts for the Iron Bowl because that'll be their Super Bowl this year. That's been determined. So yeah, he'll be ready, right? That's not a road schedule that uh, Josh Allen's going to handle. Well, right. let's uh, let's let's freak out about that all this offseason. Uh, would hate that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk about this game some more. Got to read up on it. Look, when the game ends around midnight, um, we got to dive into it more ourselves. We're both just waking up. So yeah. looking minutes. forward to the rewatch on uh, BOL this week because I'll feel like so many ways like I'm watching it for the first time uh, because of the late kick. And gosh, I was so I watch football from game day at 8 a.m. all the way to to midnight. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward oh, to that man. rewatch. But but a oh, big, well, big, man. big. Big game against AM, biggest one of the year so far. And uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, the line will come out later today. I, I'm not going to be surprised if, Alabama, if it's a pick, a pick em, uh, but I do think Alabama will be favored by 
I think Alabama will be favored by three or four, but that's just Vegas stuff. There, Alabama's not a favorite at all in my mind. If that comes out Bama three or four, I'm taking A&M. No, Luke, you're awful. No, no, no. I'm going to take it and I'm going to end up middling it. That's what I'm going to do because the line will shift greatly and quickly. And then I may get Alabama plus four and A&M plus four eventually. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll tell you a quick gambling story. Um, I did this one time when I was younger, and um, I, I, I had two bookies, one in Birmingham, one in Ellick City. And I called my one in Birmingham. He said, I can't remember what game it was. He said, the over-under is 52. And I said, okay. And so I called my other, and I was checking all these over-unders. And he said, yeah, the over-under for that game is 42. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, a 10-point middle. This is unbelievable. So I called my friend who gambles a lot, much older guy. And he said, all right, Luke, he said, I think one of your bookies is screwed up. But if he hadn't, then let's you and me middle this. He said, you go ahead and put $5,000 on it for me, and then you do what you want to. Now, remember, I was pretty much a broke college student at this time. So I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's going to freak out when I say 5000 but I'm going to do it. So I called my Birmingham bookie uh, – or excuse me, I called my LA City bookie first, and I said, yeah, this is $1.86. Um, I need you to put $5,050 on the over. $1,050. That was going to be my big middle was $50. $50. And he was yeah. like, um, there are a lot of pro- questions I have for you right now. Said, I got this – over under right and he didn't and if i had just kept my mouth shut and done the middle my own way yeah, if you just bet 50 bucks on it he wouldn't have looked it up but i was so excited to like tell my rich gambling friend that i had this middle for him and i screwed it all up anyway um all right we will talk tomorrow everybody until then roll tide roll tide